Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest, where we aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. My name is Louisa. I'm the host of your show, International Passion Ambassador. And if you like this show, please subscribe. I always say this, but I really mean it. I have an awesome guest on the show, Dr. Francesca Panzeroni, and I can't wait to share her incredible, incredible story with you. Dr. Francesca Panzeroni is the founder of the organization and serves as Chief Executive Officer of Antec. I'm not going to pronounce it. When we talk further, I'll ask Dr. Panzeroni to um, detail it for me. Dr. Panzeroni travelled across South Australia for over four years from 2008 to 2012, collecting evidence of the current status of Aboriginal traditional medicine in community and clinical settings. The findings of her research are published in Hand in Hand Report on Aboriginal Traditional Medicines. Under the direction of the board, Francesca introduced a pioneering service delivery model to support the maintenance and practice of the 60,000 year old Aboriginal traditional healing knowledge system. Francesca has created a range of services to reach out Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal communities, organisations and individuals across Australia and overseas. Dr Panzeroni is an international human rights academic who applied her knowledge and experience to create a platform for the recognition of the internationally recognised right of the Indigenous peoples to maintain and practice their traditional medicines within Australia's national health care system. This is her story and this is her passion. Welcome, Dr. Panzerini. Wow, I can't wait to get started and dive into your incredible journey. Uh, thank you, Louisa. Thank you for having me in your show. I'm really honoured. It's an absolute pleasure. First, I, 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 my pronunciation is terrible. What does ANTAC stand for? <laughs> yeah, sure. ANTAC stands for Anangun Nankari Chutakua Aboriginal Corporation, mm-hmm. which means it's a Pichanjara language, uh, which means uh, the Aboriginal Corporation of all Nankari Anangu, which means, uh, you know, the Aboriginal uh, people coming from the cent- central desert area, basically, in, in Australia. So, yeah, so that's uh, the name that was uh, chosen by the group of Nankari with whom I have, um, yeah, started this adventure. And, uh, yeah, at some point, uh, yeah, they decided to, you know, call this organization as such. I, I have to ask you, obviously, you're not from Australia. You're, you're from Italy. What led you to the desert working with Indigenous peoples in the middle of Australia? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I arrived in Australia in 2001 and uh, I did my study, some of my studies here and, uh, you know, I had no idea of what uh, (laughs) would happen in the future. Uh, So, you know, I didn't uh, consciously consciously came to Australia uh, to embark on, you know, this this, uh, pathway. Um, So basically what happened is that after my, I completed my PhD in law at the University of Sydney. I started doing some research on, um, 
Australian health policies um, in Aboriginal health. And um, yeah, just um, I was uh, very much uh, uh, surprised, I would say shocked by the fact that uh, in international literature and in national um, policy frameworks, there was no mention of uh, Aboriginal traditional medicine. Um, so yeah, I was um, in particular looking at some international literature uh, from the World Health Organization about um, indigenous uh, medical system and you know how the harmonization of indigenous and complementary healing modalities within national healthcare systems and um, yeah it really you know struck me the fact that uh, in this particular resource uh, there were you know it was a it, it, this resource is an international worldwide overview of uh, tcam traditional complementary medicine around the world and in the chapter on australia there was nothing about uh, aboriginal traditional medicine so that's the starting point. Uh, now, how did I arrive to uh, the Central Desert? That's uh, a kind of, you know, a development from, you know, the first step, steps I took in trying to find out what had happened uh, that led to this, I don't know, just a lack of recognition uh, mm. acknowledgement of uh, aboriginal traditional medicine in australia so um, yeah i embarked upon you know like a field uh, research um and then uh, you know really actually you know more than it, it was a research but really it was a more a personal uh, kind of uh, passion passion yeah <laughs> because uh yeah and you know unfortunately at that time uh, Perhaps wasn't the right time, but I was not supported by the university in, uh, you know, leading this, this this research ideas. So I just did it on my own, and I just, uh, you know, I think there is a lot to learn, and I just, um, yeah, just took the initiatives to go and meet people in uh, South Australia. So that's what, uh, you know, it just I have uh, as I was just inquiring and trying to you know, make sense of it. I met uh, a lot of uh, people from the Aboriginal communities, uh, Aboriginal community controlled health centers, uh, and they all pointed to the APY lens, uh, which stands for the Anangopichanjara Yankunjara lens, which is a stretch of lens uh, in the far northwest of South Australia. Um, and then after, I think it took quite a while, uh, Maybe after a couple of years, someone, you know, uh, took me there and, um, yeah, and I met uh, my friends. I'm, <laughs> it's amazing what you're doing. <laughs> First of all, it's a very long way from law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you probably started studying law, you might think, there's no way I'm going to end up there. But I'm also thinking it's incredible that this wonderful Italian woman knows more about most Aborigines, Aboriginals or Indigenous Australians than Australians do. So I have to say thank you. <laughs> but, you know, creating this incredible body of work. Uh, that's, that's my pleasure, really. I've, um, I really did it out of my heart, you know, I, and I never thought that, to tell you the truth, that it would actually attract so much interest, uh, you know, and when I have 
you know, people like you who thank me for what I've done. And I, I don't know, it's kind of, you know, like I, I don't really. Uh, I think you just have to accept it. That, that, you know, that's the thing about passion. And I always say, you know, you, when you follow your passion and it's really exciting, you might not have the end goal from a commercial perspective or how it's going to come together. But I honestly believe when you follow what you love, without thinking this is how I'm going to commercialize it or this is what I'm going to do for work. You are always successful. So you still have to acknowledge that, you know, somehow the universe has brought all this together for you and you're actually, you know, being funded for yeah. this work. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, again, you know, I, I didn't have a plan. Uh, really. It was my, my curiosity to go and, and just find out what happened and whether there were still some traditional Aboriginal tradition here in Australia. And, uh, you know, eventually I did that. And, uh, but then, you know, I didn't expect, you know, the, the founding of an organization uh, whose members are Aboriginal traditional here. It, was, it wasn't in my mind at all at the beginning. I, I had no idea. So it all developed, you know, mostly out of friendship with the healers. Uh, we became friends, first of all, and, I was living in Sydney at that time, working mm -hmm. at the university, and so, you know, every now and then they would call me and say, hey, Kunga, that's the way they still call me. What Sorry, what do they call you? Kunga. 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 Yeah, Kunga, which means just a woman. Oh, okay. Uh, it has become my, you know, personal name. Right. <laughs> Along with other names, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they, yeah, so... I think that now, now that I look back at what happened, I realized that, you know, they had a plan. I didn't have a plan. And um, because, you know, in our conversations, they were, you know, they started telling me, you know, that they really wanted to travel and to heal people. Uh, you know, I remember this the very first conversation over a cup of tea. Well, you know, they were asking me, who are you? Where do you come from? And why are you here? And, and I said, you know, this is me. I come from Italy and this. And I just, I don't know, I just uh, found very weird that there is not mention of traditional here in Australia. And actually, you are here well alive. <laughs> and I said, yeah, of course. Why? You know, we, you know, we have been practicing this healing tradition for since time immemorial. And we yes. heard, like, my father, my mother, my auntie, my uncle, my grand, my nana. And, uh, you know, it, this is our country, that's, we are the healers of this land, and uh, nobody can take it away from us. So um, this is what they were telling me, and they wanted to travel and heal people and heal communities, and, uh, and somehow they said, you know, you're going to help us to do this. That's great. I love that. <laughs> and what an incredible ambassador you are. So if you, if you were to explain what ANTAC does, it helps um, integrate traditional, I don't know if you call it Aboriginal or Indigenous medicine into yeah, we call healthcare? It Aboriginal tradition. Yeah, um, yeah, basically, you know, the goal of the Nankari was to to be able to travel and to reach out uh, people and work in the hospitals because you know they were telling me uh, you know Kunga, we you know we are bush doctors you know we are like the doctors uh, but oh i love that i'm going to write that down bush doctors we are, we are bush doctors and <laughs> um, you know we can uh, we can heal and we can do 
uh, we can heal in a way that, you know, doctors can't. Mm -hmm. um, they say, you know, there are some things that, you know, we, the doctors uh, um, is better than us. So, mm -hmm. this, you know, they always, and you know, even now when someone comes and presents with some kind of um, um, pathology and, you know, they're the first one to say, you know, this is, uh, this is a clinic thing. You have to go back to your doctor because you need to take uh, his advice and the medication. Um, so they had, and they, they have a very clear um, uh, understanding of what they can do and what actually the, you know, mainstream system mm -hmm. uh, has to offer. So, um, but, uh, so that's why I think it's very, very, this insight is very important because uh, I didn't know what they, I didn't know anything, you know, like really nothing because I've, I didn't know what kind of methods they were using. I don't know what kind of interventions, what kind of benefits. Um, I don't know, but since the very, but that wasn't, I think at the beginning, you know, it wasn't really that the point. I think the point was that I found unfair that there was this um, um, disregard of a body of knowledge, ancient knowledge. So my background is in international law, particularly human rights law. And, you know, there are uh, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, uh, you know, clearly acknowledge among other rights the right for indigenous people to practice and maintain their traditional healing practices so so even if it seems that law is not related but actually you know i come from i came from you know an international acknowledgement of in traditional yes and realizing that it was not really happening in australia so you know something should change you know it's and when i met them uh, you know i said oh you know it's them well alive you know there's there are, there are a lot and they keep teaching to the children um, and um, you know whether antac uh, will you know go along i don't know i don't know the future uh, especially now with this pandemic that we are in the middle of this pandemic and yes know. everything's kind well, of paused hasn't it <laughs> i think it's kind of paused but uh, regardless of antac uh, no antac you know they will continue to pass down this knowledge uh, uh, as it has always been uh, so um, so you're uh, almost uh, i forgot i mean there's a there's a proper word for it but you're almost like a transcriber you're transcribing all this knowledge for ge this generation and past generations and future generations um i think i feel like a bridge uh, maybe just um you know because i grew up in, in a mainstream society i studied in you know like just mainstream schools and um, so I think that I found and I find myself in a position kind of in the middle of, you know, my world and their world. And uh, right. I found myself in kind of interacting with uh, managers and health policymakers in the departments of health in South yes. Australia. So I kind of was listening to them and listening to the Nankari and, uh, you know, uh, and I could, I could see that they both wanted the same thing, but they couldn't find a way to realize that. So that's a language what, almost. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why ANTAC was founded, you know, to kind of provide an avenue, a way for, um, first for, you know, Aboriginal traditional healers to be employed. Um, so that, you know, and to find a place in this society 
particularly in the healthcare system, not because I truly believe that they should sit within the healthcare system, not yes. the healthcare system, because they have a significant contribution to make, you know, for the health and well-being of people, uh, which is different from, you know, the contribution that modern the biomedical model can uh, can bring to people. So. So, first of all, within the healthcare system, so that's why my effort since the very beginning to find ways to, um, uh, you know, to provide clinics and services into hospitals and... Uh, to integrate it. To in yeah, integrated in a way that is still, it's not integrated in a way, there are different levels of integrations, mm -hmm. uh, but what the, the level of integration that we have developed uh, uh, it's an integration which uh, uh, respects you know the different knowledge system of the two the western uh, medicine as well so not interfering with that no, no 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 so it's not an integration that blends the two systems together but it's an integration which um, um, put on the same level of uh, value the two systems uh, and um, because i think this is you know for countries or states or communities, uh, sometimes I get calls that they would like to do the same. They would like to have a traditional healer programs in their communities. I think the first step is, you know, to recognize that, uh, you know, the uh, allopathic medicine and traditional, uh, indigenous traditional medicine are founded on uh, very different epistemological foundations. Um, so the way they know that what's the value system, the belief knowledge system behind is different. So um, it's an integration that uh, also delineates some very clear boundaries between the two systems. Um, and this is something, for example, that I learned very early when I, I traveled to New Zealand and um, uh, just as well, I was just researching and I read that there were Maori practicing in um, primary healthcare system there. And, uh. Uh, so I went to New Zealand and there was this uh, small uh, primary healthcare clinic, and um, someone told me that there was uh, the Maori was actually working within that service. So I went there as usual, you know, just I can't, I can't contain my curiosity. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I went there and um, yeah, I mean, just the setup of the clinic was really um, uh, instructive because, you know, there was the hall and then the reception desk in the front and then two rooms on the side. So on the right side, there was the doctor consultation rooms and on the left hand side, there was the Maori consultation room. Uh -huh. So yeah, so they were just I started talking to them and they explained to me how the you know the mainstream the bio uh, you know allopathic doctor would consult with the Maori mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah it, it, it really it's about giving choice uh, to people uh, Aboriginal non Aboriginal Maori non Maori whether they want to try you know the traditional healing practices and then go to the doctor or go to the doctor first and then go to the both yes. both, you know so it's um it's a kind of a communication channel there and um yeah i mean um, it, it, it's such an incredible, I mean, personally, I would love the opportunity. So I just wanted to ask you, is it only South Australia based and is it being accepted by the government? We are based in South Australia and okay. they come from uh, an area in South Australia, but we do travel interstate across mm -hmm. Australia. 
And actually we have been invited also overseas, uh, uh, but we didn't have the resources to go. Uh, but basically we provide the services in uh, wherever there is a demand really. Um, and the demand has been uh, uh, growing with time. So we travel across communities in New South Wales, um, uh, Victoria, um, Queensland, uh, Western Australia. Um, and um, yeah, we visit uh, both, you know, like uh, public hospitals and um, community-based uh, organization uh, or land councils. So wherever there is um, uh, a leadership, um, whether it's an Aboriginal uh, community center or, an, well, well, better said, an Aboriginal community-based organization or healthcare services, mm -hmm or a public uh, healthcare um, service or hospital. Um, so the issue is that to, you know, to have uh, someone within these uh, institutions uh, who is, uh, you know, willing to open the door to us. Right. So, um, so there are some doctors, a healthcare professional, who, you know, very warmly, you know, welcome us uh, uh, in the structure because um, you know, they see it as a way to um, support indigenous culture, number one. It's yes. a way of supporting the connection with the community. Um, and the one actually of the main outcome when we go interstate is that, um, you know, the, the fact that there is an ankary at the hospital um, for two, three days, uh, and the community can actually go there, the health staff can go and see the Nankari. It really strengthens um, the relationship with the, within, uh, between the public, the, say, the public hospital and the communities. Um, I remember, for example, like one of the nurses said, you know, I've never seen so many Aboriginal people from our community with a big smile <laughs> face in the hospital. Um, so it's a, I think it's a win-win situation. Um, and yeah, I see it all the time. I think it's absolutely wonderful and I would love the opportunity, but I just wanted to note for anyone that's listening, it's not only for um, Aboriginal people to attend, it's also for anyone to attend. Anyone, yeah. And here at the United States, we have uh, a, our Aboriginal Traditional Healing Centre. Um, yeah, where people can book in a session with the healers. And um, so anyone comes. Uh, we, we actually have a, we had a lot of people from overseas, um, people who are visiting Australia and they've, uh, you know, uh, learned about us. Um, so, yeah, we really see... Um, people from everywhere and uh, Aboriginal and Aboriginal or some other healthcare practitioners come. Uh, they want to try different modalities of healing. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a very varied range of, uh, of people, which is, uh, which is beautiful. Well, when I'm down in, if I'm ever down in Adelaide, I'd love to come as well. And I understand from the type of healing, so the way that they worked, please correct me if I'm wrong and you probably know more than me, but it's a, um, a holistic approach. They don't only look at the physical body, they look at the spirit of the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first, uh, it, it's holistic in the sense that uh, uh, they... Um, hands-on intervention has, uh, you know, like a, a deeper level of intervention. So it's not just physical. So their main actual intervention, it's hands-on with this modality they call Impichanjara Pampuni, which is, you know, touching the body and extracting, pulling out 
whether you know whatever it shouldn't be there so it can be pain it can be an inflammation it can be um, a foreign object object uh, could be a blockage uh, energetic blockage and so forth so but that um, but that intervention it actually can have a spiritual or cultural uh, origin or cause um, and it's uh, always uh, um, connected to the spirit of the person. So one of the main uh, interventions that the Nankari actually do is to check whether the person's spirit is uh, in the right position. Um, so it's actually, it's spiritual and uh, I see it like spiritual and practical at the same time. Sure. Uh, because they see and they know that, uh, you know, we all have our human spirit, uh, which mm -hmm. is not outside somewhere, but it's within us. So the spirit is, lies in the center of our chest. And um, if it's... Our heart. Yeah, so over here. And they know that uh, if it's not there, um, you know, it can cause... Uh, uh, different uh, ailments uh, <clears throat> from physical uh, from you know minor physical ailments to serious uh, psychological pathologies so um, so they can see they can feel whether the spirit is there so it's about the mostly the position of the spirit so mm -hmm. the spirit actually can uh, be uh, can move around the body and can somehow go in other part of the body. So what they do is they actually, you know, with the hands, they push, they can feel where the spirit is, can be, you know, once, for example, I can tell you my experience, once I had sure. my Yeah, like at the back of my shoulder. Um, and, you know, suddenly, I was actually, I was here in my, in my studio and I, I just felt really bizarre, you know, like spaced out, uh, nausea, a bit dizzy, suddenly. And, um, and I was here, so they were here, and one of the ladies came and said, I said, Margaret, give just, I don't know, something, I don't feel well, I feel all dizzy. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, she touched me and she found that my spirit was here. So she kind of, kind of you know, push, you know, they manually push. With their hands the hand they push the spirit back into the right position and for me at least was just a matter of maybe you know five minutes and I could already feel the difference um, how fascinating I, I don't know if you know the question but why does the spirit move well for different reasons uh, um, I think it, might, it can be for um, feeling of worries or stress Mm -hmm. which I think was my case <laughs> uh, because I was you know I wasn't doing anything but just just dealing with you know day to days you know stuff and um, you know they always tell me you're too stressed you know you're stressed, stressed. <laughs> why are you stressed Kung? Said, oh, yeah, because I have to deal with all things that you're not dealing with that mm -hmm. you know? otherwise you're not going to function and um, but you know it's the cause can be uh, related to cultural issues, uh, family issues. Uh, it can also be related to interferences uh, from um, um, other spiritual entities. Okay, uh, like negative spirits. Yeah, so, which is, again, this is another concept which is foreign to our 
I say our like allopathic uh, mainstream system. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the Nankari live, you know, we can say that they can live simultaneously in two dimensions. So this one and whether you want to call it spirit world or fourth dimension, whatever it is. Uh, but they relate, they interrelate with this um, other dimension in which, in which there are spiritual entities who can be, you know, family members who have passed away, um, or who just come and, you know, just come and visit us, so visit people, uh, mm -hmm. or they can be, you know, just um, annoying spiritual entities uh, who really annoying people um, to a point where they can actually be, can develop uh, psychological uh, issues and psychological uh, pathologies uh, up to you know schizophrenia and, and all of that so um, it really uh, the cause you know can be physical can be psychological but can be spiritual in the sense of external interferences yeah mm. Fascinating. And you mentioned uh, it was men, women, children learn this sort of healing modality, but is it women that do the healing or is it men as well? There's no um, gender, it's not gender specific? It's not gender specific. So it's um, men and women. Uh, they, yeah, they learn uh, uh, through family lines. Um, yeah, they pass it down from generation to generation. And um, uh, not everyone is in Nankali, of course, in the family. So they, when, you know, babies are born, they already know who's got the healing gift. Um, so they're born with that. Um, even though sometimes, uh, you know, in a more mature age, uh, um, some family members actually get the healing gift um, if they want to or in some specific circumstances. Um, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, both men and women and they, yeah, they, sometimes, you know, we always try to have when we go, especially when we travel, to have both, you know, a man and a woman because mm -hmm. um, for some particular issues, uh, uh, you know, women business or men business, they call right. it, you need a man or you need a woman. Ah, okay. You need both. Uh, you know, I've seen cases in which, uh, for example, Debbie was healing someone and then she said, oh, you know, can you call Cyril? I need him as well. So sometimes, yeah. Uh, it needs a balance of both the masculine and the feminine. Yeah, someone does something and the other one, uh, yeah, deals with other things. So God, this is so interesting. I can't, I just love, you know, that we're spreading the word about this. So um, Nankari, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, does that actually mean healer in, in some sort of yeah. terminology yeah yeah nankari means uh, healer in the pichinjara and nyangtunjara languages okay another one which i can't pronounce very well so it's basically it's a it's a term uh, um, used in the central desert area which uh, yeah goes across um, northern territories south australia and western australia so, of course, different uh, language groups have different names for the healer. Um, for example, in north of uh, Western Australia, the Mapan, it's um, the terminology used for the healer. Um, so there's uh, different dialects? Yeah, different languages. Okay, so languages. Different terms, but it's, it, it means uh, healer, yeah. Fascinating. And I'm just was having a look that there's three main techniques. There's the smoking ceremony, bush medicine, 
or spirit realignment, which I guess was what you were describing before the spirit realignment. Yeah. Yeah. Bush medicine, uh, yeah, relates to, you know, the use of uh, plants, medicinal plants Mm -hmm. um, as uh, infusions or as balms, kind of, yeah, balms, balms. and um, yeah, I mean, I've, I only know about uh, the plant that mostly uh, the Pichanjara people in the Apiwa lands use. But I'm, you know, I'm sure there must be a very rich uh, variety History. of plants all across Australia. I'm sure there is. Um, but I haven't had the time so far to... You've been a busy lady. So <laughs> just briefly, the, the I don't know if you call it bush tucker or the native... Indigenous plants, are they for external use and internal use as well that that's prescribed? Yeah, yeah. Um, when you say bush tucker, this is a term more referred to food. Um, okay. Like, Sorry about that. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, which, which has, you know, a very, it is a very important component in people's diet and mm-hmm. health. So different, um, yeah, different kind of food uh, from, yeah, trees, fruits, and kind of vegetables. Uh, for native plants, uh, yeah, bush medicine. Um, so the main one that we use also here, the ladies, they make their own bush shrub. It's a, it's a plant called in Pichanjara, Hirmanka, Hirmanka, Hirmanka. And um, yeah. I won't try and pronounce that right now. <laughs> Hirmanka, Hirmanka. Hirmanka, Hirmanka. They've used that... Uh, you know, since time immemorial in the community. So they always say bush, like medicine number one. So they've used it for, you know, to relieve um, symptoms of cold, cough, uh, um, uh, as a tea, as a warm tea, or as, um, yeah, as a rub. Um, Traditionally, they used to mix it up with uh, um, animal fat, Mm -hmm. uh, like it poultice and uh, yeah today we use uh, olive oil and uh, wax uh, and we kind of yeah cook it up and uh, yeah so it's good for pain relief and for um, uh, minor skin issues uh, bites uh, um, yeah so it's uh, actually I have a little bit of uh, a lot of back pain today and I put some <laughs> oh fa- it's fa- I love it it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so wonderful, you know, this tradition, 60,000 year old, that it, you know, it, it really should be preserved. It's just so, so incredible, aside from all the benefits. And I'm sure, aside from yourself, you've seen many benefits of patients yeah. of the medicine. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, when I started, and, um, you know, sometimes I think that how did I do that? Like, without even knowing, you know, I'm not sure if it's ever happened to you when. You kind of know, but you don't know. Like <laughs> it has, you know, like you know, instinctively, but not. You, like, you know what's right. Is that what you're saying? Like you just yeah, know that's the yeah, right. That's what, yeah. I no it's idea. called it's tr- called trusting your intuition, trusting yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, but um, you know, with you know time, and we have seen you know now. So how many years? Maybe it's four years that three or four years that we are fully operating and providing the service uh, and slowly, you know, um, kind of building up on, uh, yeah, on what we could do. Mm. And, um, yeah, a lot of uh, positive feedback. Um, 
I just wish there was one a bit closer to me because I would love, love to come. What are the main challenges that I guess are facing Antec? The main challenges is um, we are still a small organization. The main mm -hmm. challenge that we face is um, support uh, in terms of funding for an organization. I mean, in legal, in, um, as a legal status, we are a charity. We are a mm -hmm. non organization and uh, yeah just a struggle to secure funding for the organization to have you know like a, like a core um, like a core uh, financial basis to yes to meet the demand because uh, we you know I think we are in a situation that a lot of businesses would love to be like you know we have a very high demand but we are unable to meet the demand because um, we don't have enough uh, resources, human resources. And so, you know, if we had more employees uh, to look after the Nankari and to make travels, so we would uh. each state, uh, you know, I think every month. Um, so, yes, this is actually the only... Um, aspect that still makes me sad um, funding so what would you like what i mean what is your what what's your dream to see um and be in the future well you know i would like to see the national health uh, aboriginal health framework uh, and you know such as the closing the gap framework you know to finally include the aboriginal traditional medicine within uh, uh, the national framework, because I think until there is an acknowledgement at that level, um, it would be hard for an organization like ANTAC of traditional healers to secure, uh, you know, the logistic, uh, the logistical support to be able to to actually operate. So, um, yeah. So my dream is to see that uh, recognition at the national policy level, because that would mean that. Um, specific um, uh, funding streams would be created uh, and um, and to see traditional Aboriginal traditional healing practices recognized within the Medicare system so that uh, you know you will give people you know the ability to access the Nankari anytime uh, at no cost um, that would be wonderful, wonderful. And as you said, you know, you can't, you're, you're one of those lucky businesses. You can't, you know, get in, you know, you've got, you don't, you've got too many people, you've got too many clients, but you just don't have the, the man skills or the people skills or the woman skills to um, assist. Yeah, it's a kind of a, how do you call it here, catch 22, you know. <laughs> so, so there are a lot of Nankari around. There are, you know, there is no shortage of healers. Um, but in order to for them to be able to travel from most of them, they live in their communities up in the, you know, in the desert area. So imagine logistically. Uh, oh, you know, so the travel is it's a big effort. It's a big effort. So you need to. Uh, provide them with travel assistance and uh, you know to, to make sure that they are safe and they can travel safe uh, to reach out to different parts of Australia so you know it's, it's a big country so. so almost like having support people with them when they're traveling as well 
they always yeah they don't travel by themselves okay. so we always have one of us uh, um, accompanying the, the nankari uh, so doing all that logistical uh, administrative um, um, support uh, support work that uh, it's needed that you know it's just um, you, you can't think of uh, you know we, we don't let the nankari go actually they don't want to yeah just you know just go somewhere by themselves and that's not what they want it's that's not how it works works it's not how it works so you need you need a um an organizational structure that support the nankari to be able mm. to reach out uh, you know the communities of people who are in need and uh, and for that you know it's uh, you know sometimes i think for you know the little resources we have we have had that we have that uh, it's almost a miracle that you've done very well but, but but i understand that you need to create that framework that you know to establish that foundation to um move move forward but what i'm also hearing you know there's two aspects to it here and i think it's wonderful wonderful to support the aboriginal indigenous people and that incredible culture but it's also changing mindsets that this healing modality actually does work. So I think, you know, it, it, it takes a while, but I do know and I do feel it will come. It might take some time. Not every, not every, you can't expect everyone to believe in it because that's not how society has been created and how in our Western culture we've been brought up. But, you know, we're, we're changing and we're looking for, the, you know, alternative medicine. So there's that aspect as well. So you have two very important elements going for you. Yeah, I think that uh, it's very, you know, it's very rewarding when, you know, someone, uh, you know, comes out from the healing room and a big smile and, you know, like a big, you know, uh, wonderful light in their eyes. And, and I don't know, most of people are almost, um, kind of, they're kind of mesmerized. Like, I can't believe, <laughs> you know, this is what, and, you know, most of people cannot articulate um, what happened <laughs> yeah it's really interesting that they can't really articulate they feel they know this, this things have changed I mean it depends that case by case because in, in case of pain management you know it's it's really um, easy to uh, to feel and to assess you know so a lot of people yes. are, you know I remember for example again example there was a lady who came here and she has suffered for very, very strong uh, migraine for, she said, she, she, since she was a teenager, so mm. 40 years. Um, and uh, taking just, you know, relying on painkillers. And, um, and she saw the lady, one of the ladies, and uh, yeah, she came and said, I've got no headache at all now. Wonderful. I see how long it, it lasts. And uh, she popped in, she lives here, so she popped, she popped in here yeah. and said, I can't believe it, I'm still fine after a month. Isn't that uh, fantastic? She called and said, I'm still fine after three months. Um, I said, how did she do it? You know, she, and so <laughs> the doctor asked, you know, what happened? I said, well, I went to see this healer and it's all gone. Um, yeah, there is also like on NITV, there is, uh, there is a show on one of uh, the... Uh, one of the women, one of an intervention, it's an intervention in New South Wales, 
um, about a lady who had several strokes and she couldn't walk, uh, if not with the, um, uh, what is called, the um, frame? Walking frame. Walking frame, yeah. And uh, yeah, after the ladies uh, uh, did the healing on her, she's now she's, she's walking again. Uh, it's on YouTube, I think, through YouTube and ITV. Uh, okay. And that. so, uh, are the results? Is someone documenting their results? The- uh, yes, I am collecting. The- I know you don't have enough manpower, but <laughs> woman power. Sorry, woman power. <laughs> well, actually, it is woman power. Uh, it sure is. I don't know. It's just that, you know, if you leave- I'm just conditioned. <laughs> so if you leave it to the man, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Woman power. Uh, yeah, yeah, it will, it will, it will come. It will, it will be all uh, collected and uh, documented properly. Um, again, actually, this time that we have, we had to suspend our uh, service delivery because of the pandemic. Of the, current, the, the, the current virus that we're going yeah. through, which is just, yeah, yeah so the a crazy world. I know. So the Nankari are home, and uh, we, you know, we decided. Um, you know, not to send an anchor anywhere. For sure. Their security. So, and uh, yeah, I'm using this time actually to to work on on that. <laughs> so it will, it will come out some at some stage when <laughs> when I have the time to put everything together. Doctor Panzarini, what an incredible story about following your passion, and I can't wait to follow the your progress and Antax progress and. Just, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be very successful <laughs> in the essence of time. Is there something else you'd like to speak to the audience about? Um, um, maybe just, um, I think that it's, uh, as you say, it's important to follow what you feel inside is, uh, you know, that I think to do at that moment, even if you don't understand why, um, I kind of walked in a tunnel, you know, I knew that I had to go into that direction, but I had no uh, reasons uh, backing it up, but I did it and uh, and now I'm happy I did it because, um, you know, I couldn't even imagine in my, you know, dreams of what would the result would have been. So, yeah, I'm just sharing this story and um, I hope that, uh, yes, someone who might be listening um, may take the decision to follow their passion and uh, just uh, go for it even if you don't know exactly where you are going and what the results will be that's wonderful and thank you so much look at all you've achieved i'm i'm just honored to speak with you and again i just want to say thank you for you know creating this sort of database of aboriginal australian history so thank you very much for being on passion harvest Thank you. Thank you, Louisa. Thank you for Bye, everything. Dr. Panzerini. Bye. Yeah, bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.